Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation time for driven radio show welcome to driven radio your weekly automotive bacchanalia i am brett hatfield here with our engineering co-host mr catfish groves Yo. and the evil genius of craving cars on youtube mr Corey pratt yep we are coming to you live well we're recording it live you're going to hear it later from driven radio studios in beautiful overland park kansas and Damn, it was nice today. I actually 70s. went for a walk today. It was gorgeous yeah. out. Yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't wear a jacket. I got three of the four toys out. <gasps> Vlad the Impala rolled. She's been home for days, and I've been driving that thing around because nice. big well, block Chevys rule. Yes, they do. <laughs> and uh, rode both Harleys today. I uh, took them both out for a spin. Really nice. super nice day. We kind of jumped ahead. We got right into what you uh, are doing in cars this week or bikes. Mr. Mark, did you do anything with that uh, that fine vehicle you have? My Vulcan. Your Vulcan. Yes. Live long and prosper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I took it out and just did just kind of rolled it up and down the street, drove it around a bunch of times. Well, that's good. Are you getting used to the feel? Yeah. And there was some advice, uh, and I can't remember the name of the book that i bought a friend of mine uh dave if you're listening I thank sev- you i have several for you when you're ready it uh it's all about uh, how to how to ride a bike and a lot of the the background ideas behind it and one of them uh great advice when you're turning look where you're turning don't yeah. look down no, look the, where you're turning the bike goes where your eyes go yeah and i was like that's uh, so no, I tried not. it, and it's not at all. No, it's not. It works. <laughs> the bike goes exactly. Uh, Funny how much so a tighter look, turn I can make when I'm not going. If you, oh, if you look at the ground, it, you go to the ground. Then? Well, and pretty much. Okay. In fact, when you're riding, if you wind up uh, seeing something in the road that's a hazard, you don't want to look. At, you, you recognize it, but then you direct your eyes elsewhere. It's called object fixation. So if you see a pothole and you stare at it, you're going to ride into the damn pothole. Which, if you ride in Milwaukee after winter time, I found. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, you you spend a lot of time focusing your eyes elsewhere. <laughs> a vehicular spelunking. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so I took that out and uh, and did ride it around, and it was wonderful. And then I got back online to st- get ready to lock down my uh, riding course, your MSF course. Cool. Yeah, and uh, Johnson County Community College offers them here in lovely Joe Go, Kansas. Yeehaw! I found out that. If you get if you finish the course, get your little certificate and this and that, you can take it into the DMV and go, Hey, I'd like an M on my license. Dude, and just go, walk yep. in and plunk it down like you own the place. Oh yeah. I'm a there walk tall. I'm a motorcyclist. With your helmet under your arms. I'll be wearing it. Oh, that's easy. They'll better. take my next picture. <laughs> I've wondered for a while because, you know, you and I both have uh, modular full-face helmets. Yeah. I've wondered for a while if you could just wear that sucker around instead of a mask. <laughs> I don't see why not. Yeah, you just you, put you, the little face shield down. in front of your mouth, if you know. If you owned a business and someone walked in there, would you question it? I not just right now. What, not in the past year. I, I'd there wonder what the freak was doing. You know, it used <laughs> to be that my bank would not let you walk in there oh, with a yeah. full-face helmet on. But I bet they wouldn't say crap now. 
Well, as long as you weren't wearing glasses. Or sunglasses, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Or a hat. <laughs> or a hoodie. Hat, hat, you hat, hat on top of the helmet? Yeah. Hat this, this is my COVID mask. <laughs> I'd like to withdraw $50. Uh, uh, no, no, <laughs> no. You know, the weird thing about wearing masks around here, uh, well, just everywhere these days, is I'm also a licensed concealed carry holder. Concealed carry license holder. You carry conceals? Yeah. Are they expensive? Yeah, they balance cherries right on the <laughs> They're seals that are fresh out of the, the clink. <laughs> Prison seals. <laughs> I carry con seals. <laughs> it's been a long damn day. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm glad to see you're the, still on the ball. I the, had to drag you kicking and screaming through that. The dirt. Oh I'm glad to God. see you're still on the ball, just like that seal. There you go. I'm sorry. Anyway, you were saying. <laughs> it's been rather odd to carry the last year and also be wearing a mask. I don't like the masks. I don't like them wrapped around my ears, so a lot of times I wear a bandana instead, and I'm thinking, I look like I'm here to rob the place. Yeah, this is a wrong story in the making. Uh, <laughs> well, before this goes too much farther south, Mr. Corey. Yes. Done anything in cars this week? Well, uh, for the first time in almost a month, I got the car out last Saturday. Oh, I bet the you Porsche. It was. I, I, oh, yeah. Uh, the wheels have been done. Nice and fresh. I had to make sure, you know, I had to break them in. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that makes no sense to powder coat wheels and have to break them in. But, however, you know what I kind of forgot, though? Br- break them in, in your I mind. You actually almost forgot how fast that oh I, that car is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is very quick for what it is. And, and it's not even, like, near the, the, the fast side of those of, of a Porsche, really. I mean, I, there's I'm way faster ones. I'm still wanting to line up your Porsche versus my GTO. We, we need to do, right, what are we doing right now? Oh, we're recording a podcast. But, uh-huh. you know. It's in your driveway. Mm-hmm. Just saying. There you it's go. It's sitting there right now. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> light, light up the terrace. Boom. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it was great. And, and the cool thing is, okay, it, okay, this part's not cool. Wife usually has Saturdays off. She ended up having to go to work, uh, cover for somebody. Very nice of her to do that. Parts. So I went over to a friend's house, had, had a beer. She, I was like, just let me know when you're heading home, and I'll leave and head home too so we can at least have Saturday night together. Mm-hmm. And so I looked down my phone. I saw that we had a text like, oh. She's heading home. Oh, that was 20 minutes ago. I'm full of beer. I better hurry. <laughs> oh, I had, a, yeah. I had a beer. I had a beer. There's some decision uh, making. Uh, German decision making, though. Uh-huh. That's yeah. how they do it. That's just I'm American beer. That's not beer. They're like having sex in a canoe. <laughs> <laughs> it's effing close to water. <laughs> Let's just say it was a perfect time to exercise the car some, and I beat her home. I went in there, put it in, got inside, and she really got home really like a couple minutes after I did, but I made it act like like I'd been there for a while. Uh, Dude, nice. And now she knows what a giant liar you are. <laughs> are you kidding? You think she listens to us? <laughs> I'll just tell I've you, met I, them. I'll just tell no. her we didn't yeah. end up, <laughs> I'll just tell we didn't end up recording today. Sorry. Yeah, there you we go. just hung out. <laughs> oh, hey, by the way, folks, you can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show and listen! Please, Jesus, listen. Listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Audible, Pod News, iHeartRadio, and a whole bunch of other places. I'm just not even going to bother. Everywhere fine podcasts are heard. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to tell all your gearhead friends we want them to listen, too. Yeah, absolutely want them to listen to. If there's something you'd like to hear more of or someone you think we should interview for the love of God, please tell (laughs) us. Uh, Email me at brett at readthedriven.com. Hey, guess what, guys? 
Yep. A lot of news this week. Yeah. Uh, Gooding and Company announced a new auction this week. There's a McLaren F1 for sale. No, but that'll be at a bargain. We should go price. in on it so we but can it buy a but it valve won't be cover. Ch- it won't be cheap. You don't think so? yeah, it, it's not. a little pricey. Uh, Ford Bronco production is supposed to start this month. Oh yeah, in March, and the passing of a Mopar mm. legend, Mark mm-hmm. Corey, and mm-hmm. I are both very sorry. Mm-hmm. Our special guest this week is one of our favorite repeat offenders, Mister John Ficara. Excellent. Uh, he is he is just gold. All you got to do is ask him a question and then get the hell out of the way. Uh, John will be here to discuss everything under the sun. He's got a ton of stuff going on. Got a lot of news to cover this week, so let's get to it. Hey, Dateline Santa Monica, California. Following the Amelia Island Concours d'Elegance's change in schedule from March to May of this year, Gooding & Company has decided to postpone its Amelia Island auction and will return next year in 2022. Hmm. In lieu of the Florida event, the auction house has officially set a new sale in May under its geared online auction platform. The sale is scheduled to run from May 3rd through the 7th of this year and will continue Gooding & Company's reputation of bringing the highest quality and upper echelon collector cars to market. Gooding & Company brings terrific stuff, always very, very exclusive stuff. Uh, the auction house invites collectors and enthusiasts to contact a Gooding & Company specialist if interested in consigning for the online-only auction. We will have all of Gooding & Company's uh, contact information on readthedriven.com. That's amazing. Amelia Island actually just canceling out for a year when they could probably be there somewhat in person. Well, now the Concours, at least at this time, Concours d'Elegance is still happening. But Gooding leaving is a giant chunk yeah. of Amelia cool. Island, and I will be rather curious to see if they soldier on in the face of... I, I, this is going to greatly reduce attendance, I would think. Yeah. Very well, man. Fingers crossed. Yep. Well, Road and Track has been talking about that McLaren F1 that you just might need about two billion pennies to buy. If I sold everything I was partnered in and everything I personally own and all the cars, motorcycles, and my house and all the studio equipment, I still couldn't get halfway there. So out of the 64 F1 road cars McLaren built, only seven were originally sold to buyers in the United States. Seven? Yeah. Wow. Uh, Wasn't there an issue with that, too? Because originally they weren't even going to be capable to be sold here, Well, yeah, but they sold them in, what, 1991, right around there? So they're past the 25-year mark. I'm sure that people have been able to import them. But there were only 64. But originally they didn't meet. Globally, they didn't meet uh, the restrictions that they. That no, the but that's had. that's why with that twenty-five so, yeah. year thing, you can buy. Yeah, Hell, yeah, Jay yeah. Leno's got one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of those seven, though, is going to be up for sale. Not or, Jay I'm sorry, Is now up for sale. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it is. Uh, the the F one chassis zero four two, the thirty third F one built according to the F one registry, has popped up for sale on Isim. I think it's Isimi, I-S-S-I-M-I dot com. Isimi dot com. I think that's it. Okay, we'll go with Isimi. Painted in red with a two-tone red and black interior, it looks to be in perfect condition. According to the site, the car has only two owners since new. It has been meticulously maintained. The ad says it's covered enough mileage to be usable. 
which suggests the new owner can do some road trips without doubling the odometer, so yeah. the value can still be up there. I'm, so that's I'm, good. I'm guessing it's got ECME has five or ten thousand miles. Yeah, or something I don't. Like I don't even really have a whole lot to ventimeter. Actually, Jay Leno's has probably got the most. Um, Rowan Atkinson, but that's not a U.S. one. Oh, okay. okay. He's, he's wrecked that one a couple times, and they fixed it. Of course, if the car is worth yeah. $15, 20000000 million, you fix it. Yeah, it's you never totaled. It, yeah. well, and it's amazing what Mako can do these days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they haven't actually listed a price. <laughs> House paint works wonders. Uh, for the F1, or what the paint job will cost for Mako. <laughs> uh, but it is safe to say you should be prepared to spend eight figures to buy it, considering the site's uh, video alludes that needed to... But two billion pennies is that what they're two talking about? Two billion pennies yeah, to, to, in order to buy it. So the F1s regularly bring in well over fifteen million dollars at auction. The LM spec version going for nineteen point eight million back in twenty nineteen. Yeah, that, that one. Yeah. I think that was one of the Monterey auctions, wasn't it? Wasn't that Very RM well or good? I, I can see that definitely one of them. Yeah, Haggerty um, Price Guide. I looked it up today. Haggerty yeah. Price Guide. Um, there were three or four years of the F1 being built, and all the numbers are the same except for the LM. And it's right. they all list it at, in number one condition, and I assume all of them except Rowan Atkinson's is in number one condition. <laughs> but all of them have just said twenty one point five million. That's a uh, that's Oof. a chunk. Yeah, well, uh, it's none of us, so <laughs> oh, I, might I got a buddy to... down in Texas that know, has I, a McLaren, but it's I not bet... like that. No, yeah, okay. It's one I, of the I bet ones. Mark could put a bit on this if it had Craigers on it. <laughs> You're damn right, I would. I'm just saying. I, I, I want to see. It that might only Photoshop. be enough to cover the cost. Of I want to see that but, Photoshop, know. and I want the tires to be raised white letter. <laughs> Okay, so if you guys can do that, put, put, some, put some Hoosiers on it. BF Goodrich, you ain't got a hair on your ass. Put some Craigers on there on the McLaren F1 and send that to Brett at ReasonDriven.com. <laughs> well, you know, Brett totally rejected that one that I put Craigers on. I sent you that. That I, thing I, was god awful. I photoshopped it into <laughs> the thing. That thing was 78 Mercury Brome two-door. Yeah. And I, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, this land barge is starting to catch my eye. Dude, the it's hood on You could have landed an F-14 on that hood. <laughs> you play, play ping pong with your kids on that thing. It was it was phenomenal. And I, I took off. They had already wire wheels on us. Sorry, I'm totally getting sidetracked. No, you're right. This is McLaren, and here I am in a Mercury <laughs> Brome. We're all shocked. But... Uh, <laughs> It had spoke wheels on it already. And I'm like, no, no, no. You need to class this thing up with some Craggers. So I went and found a picture of Craggers, photoshopped it in. I'm like, this is sweet. Hey, on that on that note, there is a 69 Chevelle that's being sold at Barrett-Jackson in Scottsdale in a couple of weeks that has custom Craggers on it. <gasps> they are sexy. You need to go look that thing up. It's a 69 Maroon Chevelle, and it's a bad. <laughs> Would you buy it for me? It's, Sure. I want to show though. By the way, yeah. Broncos are coming. You know what? According to Road and Track, they're going to begin production on March 29th. Damn. I've seen the Bronco Sport. Yeah. Mm-mm. It's not a Bronco. No. I'm sorry. No. The the small wannabe Bronco Sport uh, has been in production for a few months. So it's, it's out of dealers. I've seen it on the road. I've seen yeah, it a few times I'm here. Not impressed. Uh, but soon, the real Bronco will yes. start rolling off the assembly line. A uh, forum uh, post from Bronco6G.com indicates that Ford intends to begin the 2021 Bronco production on March 29th. Okay. 
This doesn't mean the deliveries are going to be this month. Uh, no, you got it. There's like yeah, a couple months get to get to dealers. Yeah, they take at least five hours to put together, so it's going to be <laughs> and shipping. And yeah, that's just for the glue to dry. Yeah, yeah. As there's a bit of time gap between production start and the point of which the car is given, the all clear to be sold. So cars may not arrive to dealers till maybe late spring, possibly the summer, but we should start seeing them finally this year. And I don't know. I mean, I'm I, you know I'm a Jeep fan. Yeah. But I'm really, really anticipating well, seeing this were, Bronco in person. There was a thing on uh, several of the websites. I think Road and Track had something on it, and also Muscle Cars and Truck, about how you could remove all the panels on the Bronco yeah. and everything else. And, yeah, I'm excited for it. It's customization, I, baby. I still think I sold mine at the right time. Probably so. Oh, man, I miss it. I, I would consider... I it was in good shape. God, your Bronco's nice. Yeah, it was I would sweet. consider yeah. trading the impala for the bronco and some cha- some cash i there would because i really miss anybody get a hold of that bronco wants one of the best looking and <laughs> better running impalas out there 61 impala yes then there you go you have I, a deal. I know where i can find it but i'd have to talk the guy no I, I will say this though <laughs> i did notice that the ford bronco did put an additional accessory that you can buy for the broncos now Craigers. <laughs> well, yeah. I was really hoping for the dashboard hula girl, but Craigers, <laughs> Craigers would work. Oh, I think that's already an option. Isn't it? Craigers would work. <laughs> out of uh, also Roden Track, I'm sorry. Out of Hemmings, Mr. Norm the Kraus. Uh, fuck me. Out of Hemmings, Mr. Norm Kraus, the high performance king, has passed away at age of 87. Mark, this is the Mopar guy, so I'm I'm sorry. I'm, it, uh, you know, uh, you have our condolences. The cars live on. We are, <laughs> so we, are, we, are we are we are right. sorry for now your you loss. Now you have to go buy a Mopar just just to live it on. Oh, you wouldn't believe how hard I'm sucking up to him on Facebook right now. Uh, perhaps nobody was uh, was responsible for more sales of Dodge performance vehicles during the muscle car era than Norm Krause. He was also known known as Mr. Norm, co-owner of Grand Spalding Dodge in Chicago from 1962 through 1977. Prime. Years, yes. His focus on high performance helped it become the biggest Dodge dealership in the world. Norm and his big brother Len got their start selling used cars as teenagers in the late 1940s. You know, how many people have we talked to that started selling cars? Uh, Rabbit was selling cars as a teen. And and there were so many others, some other Vinwicky stories along that line. Pained by the the character for a classified ad, they squeezed in Call Mr. Norm, which soon became a signature for the business. In the fall of 1962, the brothers opened Grand Spalding Dodge. At just 28 years old, Norm was the youngest Dodge dealer in the what country. What were you doing when you were 28? Do you know, I, I still couldn't find my my butt with both hands at 28. <laughs> hey, and I, this guy. I'm happy to say I was driving a Jeep Wrangler, so that's kind of Mopar. Nice. Yeah, yeah, but you didn't open a dealership. It, there wasn't no muscle to it, though. So. I think the first month we sold about 35 cars, said Norm. From that day on, it was totally performance. Now, as one right of on. the first dealers to install a dynamometer, a dealer was... With that, Grand Spalding was able to properly tune their customers' cars, which were notoriously detuned from the factory. Mm-hmm. Odd but interesting fact. Oh, Norm. Now, according to Norm, the first 383 we put our, on our dyno registered 180 horsepower. What the hell is going on here? That's a quote. <laughs> Let's set it up and see what she'll do. With a little work, they were able to get that 383 to make a reliable 325 horsepower. That's there a you bit. go. Another buck 40 just by playing around and going, let's get it right. So there were all of these other amazing things that they did. Norm's influence, uh, he single-handedly could get Chrysler to produce a new model. That was the coolest thing in the whole article. Yeah, Chrysler said that a big block dart 
was impossible. Norm had his top mechanic stuff a 383 into one, and he drove it to Detroit to prove it could be done. Uh-huh. Thus was born the Dart GTS. The next wow. year, he got Chrysler to build him a 440 Dart. Can you imagine a 440 and a Dart? I I would love to. The, the password is Cowflex. This guy had on, on Chrysler. This is amazing. They built 54, in which he sold easily as the Dart G- GSS for Grand Spalding Sport. Cross Brothers grew their business into the largest Dodge dealer in the world, selling trucks, vans, and standard cars along with the high-performance models. When others were turning away the younger crowd, Grand Spaulding courted them. Yes. In 1977, Norm sold his share of the dealership, which closed within a couple of years. So he, he left, the dealership folded. Yeah. It, that, he was crazy. the dealership. Absolutely. Yeah, and had no the doubt vision. About that. That was a, it's a, tra- a terrific article. We'll Thank have you, the Norm. Link. Wherever you are, going from the largest dealership in the world, well, at least that sells these, and then within two years, gone? Done. That's Mr. Norm was the dealership. We'll have the link to that article on readthedriven.com, and you really need to go read the whole thing from Hemmings. It's pretty incredible stuff. Our special guest this week is one of our favorite guests, Mr. John Vaccara. John will be here to discuss... Everything under the damn sun. John's got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, That and a lot more is coming up next on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio. Our guest this week, well, now he's a repeat offender. Got to have him back for a second time. John Vaccara is an automotive historian, marketer, and a walking encyclopedia. He owned a picture car company called Creative Film Cars in New York City. He ran an illegal cross-country cannonball event called the 2904, and he did that for a decade. Allegedly. 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 (laughs) Maybe sort of, kind of. He was the marketing director and in-house historian for Canapa. He has been building and racing cars in the 24 hours of lemons. Uh, probably against his better judgment. John owns Vaccara Classics, a a company that researches and markets collector, road, and race cars, as well as Drive-A-Go-Go, an automotive adventure company for the ill-advised. He's a regular guest on Vinwicky Car Stories, and there was one today about about, uh, Angelina Jolie. Yes, helping Uh, you sell a motorcycle seat, which is both disturbing and disgusting. Uh, (laughs) I've got no problem with that. I can't wait for this story. (laughs) Uh, Some of his stories have nearly a million views on the Vinwicky channel. John's work has appeared in magazines including Triple Zero, Vintage Race Car, Classic Porsche, Speed and Sport. He works for the government, and he does what... No. Uh, John, welcome back to Driven Radio. Damn, is there anything you haven't done lately? Um, I try to do all of it, and including your show. So, yeah. We're thrilled to have to you back. I thought you had been on just a couple months ago, and I looked, and it's been almost a year. Yeah, yeah. That's really I was on at the beginning of the whole COVID nonsense. Yeah, so. that's, it's been yeah, way it's been too long. Um, good Lord, you sent me a, a list of the stuff you've been doing. When do you sit still, sir? <laughs> Never. Why sit still? Life's for living and doing. Uh, I, I, I yes, I would have that, to actually. agree. Yeah. Um, well, let's start off with the first year projects and one that's near and dear for Corey and I, uh, who are both Porsche mavens. Tell us mm-hmm. about your 69 911 S. 
That car is finally, the restoration that's finally coming to a conclusion after uh, being interrupted by all kinds of nonsense and moving. So it's been three years since I got the car, but it's an original numbers matching 911S um, European car, uh, California car. It was so, it was in such distress when I found it, um, full of mold and you know, hot rod exhaust on it and carbs. And fortunately the guy who's I've got, I've actually bought six cars to buy that one car. (laughs) Um, This guy literally went crazy. um, And his nieces put him in a home and they were going to scrap all of his cars. Uh, No. Oh my God. So I got a phone call. They're like, well, can you come up and take a look at these things? And maybe you can help us get them out because they they were in like, one of them was a 911T that was on jack stands on the side of a hill that was falling (laughs) away. And two of the jack stands were missing. And it was just, it was ready literally to plummet off of a hill. Oh my God. So he had a 911T, the 911S, a 944 Turbo, an E36 M3, a track Mustang, and um, one of those uh, Fiat 124 sport coupes from the early 70s. And uh, the, the one uh, now, the Fiat yeah. 124 is the one that the Russians took the design for, and then they built all those <laughs> crappy little lottos. They did. The sport coupe, though, was sporty. I mean, it had a little <laughs> slope rear window, and it looked rather zesty. But this one was zesty. half sunk into the dirt when I found it. Oh, no. Oh. Wow, yeah, that so one was gone. That turned into a lemons car for a friend of mine. Um, <laughs> but I bought all the cars because I wanted the 911S. And uh, so that car was is now the last one to leave. I've, I've sold all the other ones and put all the money and time into this. And, I mean, I had Autobahn interiors put in brand new Pepita, you know, the houndstooth mm-hmm. seats. They yes. made the seats. I had Tom Amon. Oh, this is great. Tom Amon, who is a master 911 mechanic and former 935 racer. Uh, I was going to take the engine and transmission to him to get rebuilt. And he, I moved from the Bay Area up into the, the Sierra Nevada mountains. And I'm like, oh, great. Well, I got to make a four-hour trip to bring it to him. So I call him and I say, Tom, I got to bring you my stuff. He's like, oh, well, it's going to be about a four-hour drive. I said, what? Yeah, it is. I, I've got to come down from the mountains. He's all, no, 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 I've moved. Oh, no, no. I said, where did you move to? And I said, he's, he's like, oh, I moved to Grass Valley. And I go, that's funny, because I just moved to Grass Valley. Oh. Oh, I he's thought you were going to tell me he went four hours. My house. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me he went four hours <laughs> south. That's what I thought. He's four, he's 10 minutes from my house. So I just went over there immediately. <laughs> the quickest four hours like, ever. Right. So he's, anyway, the car's done. He and it's running, and I, I couldn't be more thrilled to see this car, which was so derelict now, just exactly where it should be. I, I didn't restore it perfectly. I did all the mechanicals, but I left, like, we just buffed the paint out, made the interior nice. It's a driver 911S, because if you if you restore these things fully, they're $200,000. Yeah. And nobody can touch them. So I'm like, you know what? If somebody wants to paint it again, they can do that, but this is one you can actually mechanically drive and have a great time with. Are you going to hold on to uh, it, or are you, you going to part with it? I'm going to part with it because I'm going to take that money and build my new garage. Oh, Ooh. oh, okay. okay, that's a decent. Which, okay, maybe. now you have to tell us about the new garage. So 
I, I moved to this new house a couple of years ago, and the agreement with my wife was she got a new deck in the back, which is being made right now. And after that, I can make my new garage. And the house came with this nice, like 40 foot by 40 foot shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I pair that down, and it's one of those prefab metal building type things, you know, sure. the kind of the shed design. Mm-hmm. We're going to tear that down. We're going to build a 45 by 65 foot shop. Ooh. The ends of it are going to be containers, stacked containers. Really? And so two 20 footers on one end and two 20 footers and then two 20 footers on top of those on the other end. So it'll come a slope down and um, I'll make one container into my office, one container into a studio to shoot my videos, uh, one for storage, one for like all the dirty work and tooling and, and machine work. And we'll have one as a clean room for engine building. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it's really exciting. I'm, I've already drawn it up. I've got uh, somebody working on it. And the nice thing is you if you build with containers, your real biggest expense are the trusses yeah. between them. Other than that, it's just bolting the thing together. So Dude, I think for nice. about 100 grand, I should have a pretty nice garage. Very cool. Right on. I want to come yeah. see it when it's done. Now, can, can I? Absolutely. <laughs> have you been working on Jay Lamb's car? For eleven, <laughs> or can I curse? Yes, yes, you may. Bon appetit. Yes, you may, and right. especially so, if it's describing this car. It is well. The, the, this and this is how Jay Lamb, when he introduced the car to me, he calls it the fucking Kellison, <laughs> and that's how we communicate about the fucking Kellison. It it people who don't know, Kellison was a uh, kit car. Yes. Built in the late 50s, early 60s, originally in Folsom, California, which is not far from me now. Um, they were originally bo- like sleek fiberglass bodies you could put Super on a Super low that. slung and real, yeah, cool looking cars. Yeah. And in 1960, he decided to build his own chassis. So what Jay has is J4X. It's an experimental, it's his, it's his own chassis with his own body on it. Uh, the engine's a 283 Chevy bolted up to a Tremec. Um, it's got the rear end of uh, like a Chevy 10 or something in it. Um, we got it and he had, he bought it kind of a running nightmare um, un- unpainted. He had somebody paint it. He did a marginally good job on that. Um, but then he had a couple of mechanics on it who I would love to kick square in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it, kind of tough to screw up a 283, isn't it? Uh, no, well, let me let me give you a few examples. Um, oh, oh no. Jay said, Jay, Jay said, I didn't drive it much. It made a lot of noise. The rear end made noise. It didn't. It, everything felt loose. And I'm like, listen, I'm going to go from the nose to tail on this thing, and we're going to make it nice. So we know we nose the tail just to, to look at it. Made our measurements and took a look at everything. I took it out for the first drive. I got a quarter of a mile. And the oh. rear end starts going. Rah! I'm like, turned immediately <laughs> around and came back. Um, mechanic Matt, who works for me, um, like Matt, open up the rear diff. I want to take a look. Uh, it's full of sawdust. Um, it was empty. Oh, it had never been filled. There oh. wasn't a drop of oil in it. Well, that explains oh. the noise. <laughs> Dry as a bone. All it had were metal shards at the bottom. Oh, no. <laughs> well, they no. become lubricant when they get snacks. hot enough. <laughs> snacks for so this, 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 this is kind of an indicative moment of what this car is like. Uh, every nut and bolt loose. Um, every piece on it put on incorrectly. 
the engine like rebuilt with you know stuff stamped from India. Like it was horrifying. I think so, that same guy I built the, the engine on now. my 409 <laughs> before I got my 61 Impala and it burnt itself up at 500 miles and we had to go back to the oh, block. Oh god. So, so we came up I I told Jay I said, you know, how far do you want to go with it? And he's all like, let's just just let's make it right. So I said, okay. My for it was to make it look like the way it would have been built in 1960. Sure. So it had a bunch of chrome Mr. Gasket parts and, you know, the off-the-shelf J.C. Whitney junk on the V8. <laughs> we stripped all that away. We got period valve covers and and, and, and it, the holly on it. I <laughs> had a holly double pumper. And I'm like, this looks like a mess. So I sent it to my, my holly guy. And he's amazing. He's been doing it for 30 years. He calls me. And he's all, what the hell did you send me? <laughs> he goes, this is three different carburetors put together. He goes, I can't even restore it. Nice. I'm throwing it out. Nice. And uh, like that's so we we, oh, we get everything Frank sorted. <laughs> Jay wanted the exhaust painted white. I found the only place in the United States that will ceramic coat white because white's so difficult. Yeah. Um, Where did so he find like, this crap box? I don't know, and I, you know what? He must. He got a deal on it, and he was enamored of the of the style and shape of it. It's very, it's very speed racer look. Yes, it is. And uh, so we've spent six months on it, and it's just we're just finishing it up. We've got about two weeks till we deliver it to Jay. Um, it literally looks like something more like an AC Cobra. And now, is he going to race this in lemons? No, he's just he's going to be he I told him, I said, listen, we'll deliver it to you at the race and you can use it at the, as the, like the Grand Marshal car and leave the, the lap <laughs> on it. But it's it's almost a show car now. And we redid the interior. We did the steering. It is not one part of that car we didn't touch. Oh, it had the wrong size um, brake um, master cylinders in it. So the brakes didn't work. Like oh, not great. one part of that car oh, fit or was right. Uh, yeah, it was. It, so anyway, after six months of work, it's done. Fantastic. It is no longer the fucking Kellison. <laughs> you remove that moniker from it. It's it's my nice Kellison. Now they can call yeah. it. There's a year in there. They can put the year in there instead of the other word. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in addition to uh, Jay's craptastic Kellison, uh, rumor has it you may have Chuck Yeager's pickup truck. I do have Chuck Yeager's pickup truck. Tell us um, about Chuck Yeager's pickup. Chuck Yeager, apparently, I didn't know this, but Chuck Yeager lived up here as well. No um, we're not too far from Beale Air Force Base, and there's tons of roads around there named after him. Um, but he bought this truck new in Grass Valley back in 1986, and we have all the paperwork with his name and everything on it. And uh, Mr. Speed of Sound apparently loved his pickup trucks they i found a quote where they asked him back in the day about because they used to give the astronauts corvettes yeah yeah that they, was a big thing they, they, least, he was never an astronaut yeah, but they, they asked him about uh, it uh, the chevy dealers weren't allowed to give the astronauts corvettes so their way around it was to lease the corvettes to the astronauts for, for a, a dollar buck. right yeah 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 <laughs> so he said who needs a corvette all i need is a chevy pickup and apparently, uh -huh. he, that's all he drove his, most of his life. So that this is one of his pickups. Uh, it, my friend of mine bought it from his estate, and uh, he's having us. I normally don't work on square body pickups, but I will work on Chuck Akers. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we're getting, we're getting it ready for auction uh, for him. Yeah. So this, Any idea yeah, where that's going to go? Uh, I, 
he wants to auction it on Bring a Trailer, believe it or not. No kidding. Um, so we might see it on there in a few weeks. You could do worse. Uh, there's another rumor floating around that you've got uh, the Cannonball Audi, and I'm wondering if this is Arnie's car. No. So okay. the, uh, the I have a different Cannonball Audi. All right. Um, let me tell you a little story about the Cannonball Audi. <laughs> so the... the Arnie and Doug did do a run in Audi. And yeah. Another team that did a run in and These are new Audis. This is a 1985 Audi 4000 S Quattro. Ooh. And back in the day, after the Cannonball finish in 79, uh, Brock Yates continued with the One Lap of America yeah. event. And Brumos, of Brumos Racing fame in Florida, um, they entered it in 1985 with a 4000 S Quattro and apparently won it. So they built 12 uh, commemorative cannonball cars at Brumos and sold them at the dealership in Florida and one in Atlanta. Um, So there were only 12 ever built. And they have, it's not really like a sports package. It's more of a look thing. It had special wheels and seats. They they had a special order the leather from Germany. Then they put in matching Recaro seats with leather, with cannonball logos on them. Nice. A steering wheel. It's a, it's a, a lot of cool stuff. And, uh, Ed Bolian had been looking for one, I guess, for years. Oh, okay. He found one a couple of years ago, and it was a right piece of crap. Um, <laughs> That's about what Ed buys. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, if there's a dead hooker and a flood involved, yeah. Ed is, is there. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, he's all over that. <laughs> if so, the car facts looks like a crime report. <laughs> <laughs> Ed goes to car inspections with a blue with a blue light. And yeah. just, you know. Is there a chalk line? I want the car. Yeah, I want that car. <laughs> so he got his, and um, nobody could find any of the other eleven. And uh, hmm. last year, the widow of this gentleman called Ed and said, "I have one of the Cannonball Audis. I got number. He Ed has number one. This is number eleven. And he immediately called me up, and he's like, "Do you want the car?" I'm like hell yeah i want the car <laughs> um the original owner um apparently a, a huge cannonball fan uh never got to do the cannonball uh owned that car it was like kind of his dream car his whole life and he, he moved from he bought it in atlanta and moved to washington with his wife he passed away and his wife wanted to make sure it went to a cannonballer oh cool and uh so I called her up and she's all like, I already looked you up online, which is kind of creepy, right? She's like, I already know your background. She's like, I want, I want you to have the car. Oh, oh that's cool. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. that's awesome. I mean, of course I paid for it, but she, I said, listen, I will promise you this. Uh, in, your, in your husband's memory, I will cannonball this car. Oh, cool. And, oh, yeah. And she was like, done. So we are going to cannonball the car uh, later this year. I guess I can let your listeners know this because it's it's getting less and less a secret. But so this year is the 50th anniversary of the Cannonball Run. Mm-hmm. Wow. We are going to do an event called the Musket Ball. Oh. And I, it's kind of a continuation of the 2904, even though I shut that down. I didn't want to start the 2904 again. So here's here's how it's going to work. We're, we're going to Cannonball. And last year was all the COVID runs oh, with yeah. those 700 horsepower cars doing 25 hour runs and Lordy. and that's not my style I don't dig that stuff so I made one rule the cars can only have 100 horsepower at the wheels <laughs> I Hence have one of those critters of cannonball. I have one of those critters <laughs> well you are you are hereby invited 
Um, we can talk offline about that. You guys can you can have a driven, you know, sponsored automobile. But the Audi only had 130 horsepower when it was new. Yeah. And at the wheels after the four-wheel drive system, I bet it only has about 90 horsepower. So that's, <laughs> that's going to be our entry is the Cannonball Audi. I love it. Oh. I love the idea. I have. A, I totally want to be a part of this. I have a crap box '97 Buick LeSabre that I bought for my teenage daughter. Oh. I think that might qualify. The thing reeks like matlock and tapioca. <laughs> Perfect car. It smells like the day room at the retirement home, <laughs> and nobody can and find it. Hasn't the even driven across the country. Yet. Oh no! It doesn't have yeah. a roll cage, but it has a sexy walker. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, white with a burgundy velour interior. Oh, yeah, that interior. I saw that. It looks like a flesh wound. Oh, and, it's amazing. Yeah. And hail damage. You cannot believe the hail damage on that thing. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we're going to dyno all the cars at the start party. Okay. And if you over 100 horsepower at the wheels, we're going to have some wicked and uncomfortable penalties. Well, that's okay. I'll just I'll, I'll pull one of the, I'll pull one of the coil packs. It'll be fine. <laughs> oh, believe me, I know every which way to cheat. But if you found cheating, it gets even worse. Oh, so the real goal yeah. is to. Let's cheat, see. but don't get caught. I got a couple exactly. Har- well, that's racing, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple Harleys that qualify very well. I'm just not sure I want to put my butt on one to go all the way across the country. Mm, no. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you, uh, you're doing another really cool road rally, uh, the Gold Country Rally by Andiamo. Uh, looks like that's coming up in May. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I help out with a, couple, a few concours, the Coyote Creek concours, which was new a couple of years ago, and then COVID shut it down last year. The people who organize that are two of the most lovely people in the world, and they're pulling their hair out because they want to be around car people. So they decided to take the show on the road and came up with uh, their company, Andiamo Let's Go. Andiamo means let's go in Italian. Their first rally is going to be in May. Uh, the 11th through the 16th, and I'll be I'll be participating. I'll also be doing some. I'll be also be part of the entertainment. I'm going to do, as you know, I do my, my historic videos. So I'm going to do some of my history, my funny car histories at, for dinner entertainment. And nice. then, but the the run is be driven from San Jose up into the Gold Country of the Northern California, up through Lake Tahoe, oh. then back down through the Gold Country. Then we'll end up at uh, Thunder Hill Raceway on day four, I think, to do hot laps. And then we finish on the Delta King in Sacramento, which is a big paddle boat and hotel. It should be a blast. We're we're looming it to, the limit is, I think, 40 cars. And they're not as uptight as like the Millimillier or or the Cal Mill or or, uh, the Colorado Ground or any of those things where, you know, you have to be pre-60 or pre-65. So if you show up with something cool, and interesting, they're they'll, they're going to let it in, and they've already have a few cars that have signed up that are that are going to be fun to see, trying to get up through the altitude of Lake Tahoe, <laughs> yeah, on the back roads. <laughs> I was thinking it. of taking the Cannonball Audi as my car just to kind of shake it out, but I don't know, maybe the 911s. Yeah, would be more fun. Who knows? That would be I think, cool. I, I think the uh, 911 S would be more. And the rally benefits my alma mater, McPherson College. Yes, it does. I didn't know that was your alma mater. It is really. It, it is. I, I'm yeah. one of those guys. 
Yeah, we're going to benefit McPherson College because you, you have to have you have to have a charity you're helping out with these events. Like the the ball is going to be, we'll be donating proceeds from the musket ball to the Brock Yates uh, All Time. Oh, very cool. Association. Very cool. Yeah. Which which we always did with the twenty nine oh four. We tried to donate a few thousand bucks their way every run to at least make up morally or consciously for <laughs> all of our reprobate actions. Uh, speaking yeah. of reprobate actions, the Suprona. Oh my God! Yeah. Uh, that, now refresh everybody's memory what the Suprona Suprona is, and then tell us what's new with it. The Suprona is is part Supra and part Corona, but both Toyota. <laughs> The you short and skinny on it was we ran a, a Supra in Lemons for years, and they hated it because we had a 1JZ twin turbo yeah. in it. Yep. And uh, they, they were like, listen, you're never going to win. We're never going to let you win. If you build something out of a pre-75 Toyota, you can do whatever you want. So we found a 70 Corona, which happens to be the, the first car that Judge Phil, the chief judge for Lemons, that was his first car he ever owned, definitely sucking up the Phil. <laughs> We took the uh, we took the Supra and we ripped out the front and rear subframes and we put them underneath the Corona, which was never intended. By yeah, that's not a Corona man. anymore. <laughs> and then we put the one JZ uh, in there. We shoehorned that in there and we built a race car out of it. And it's it's a real Frankenstein machine. We just are right now, literally before I was talking to you, we were assembling the engine because we found a dead hole in it, and uh, we're going to be running it on ethanol. Um, because we're, it takes it takes race fuel. Like basically, those those Japanese market one JZs have to run a hundred octane, mm-hmm. which at ten dollars a gallon gets pricey over a sixteen hour race. Yes, so. but running on E eighty five at two dollars two twenty five a gallon, which has almost unlimited octane, we're, it's a piece of cake. We'll bring our own fuel and a drum, and we can turn the boost way up. And because we built this car, we never get a penalty lap again. So we can do whatever we want with it. So it's going to be a completely nasty, evil cheater car. I people love are going it. to hate us, and that'll how, be lots of fun. How soon is this going to be terrorizing racetracks? We'll be on the uh, fingers crossed because you know it is racing. So yeah. we'll be wrenching until the minute before, but hopefully uh, April third at. Ooh, that's um, soon. Yeah, that's soon at Sonoma. We'll have that on the track. If that works out, our plan with it really is if we that we pull that off, we'd love to run that do a pass at Bonneville with it and then run the 24 hours of th- 25 hours of Thunder Hill, which is a legit professional, you know, road race. Oh, so this thing and must be really good. It's going to be really good, it's, but it, you know, it's, it's a $500 car, right? <laughs> so, um, and like then that. if we could do, and then do Pike's Peak. So that would be my, that would be my, my dream thing is to drive through Pike's Peak, Bonneville, and a real endurance race in my $500 car. We'll have to introduce you to uh, Cash Singh. He's running Pikes Peak, but he's doing it in Shelby Mustangs and things like that. Oh, that sounds easy. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> That's all off-the-shelf <laughs> stuff. <laughs> well, Cash, <laughs> Cash also works for Ford. He's one of their enthusiast brand managers. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm guessing that he gets a little bit of help. Yeah, uh, um, <laughs> you are going to do something really cool this weekend. I'm not sure how much you can talk about it. Car Track Four, you're shooting with uh, Ed and Tyler and Freddie. How much can you tell us about it, and how much do you have to keep your lips zipped? I, you know, I don't know. I never signed any documents, so I guess I can, I can hint a little bit. So, uh, Car Tracks One, Two, and Three were kind of operated from a center base. 
And mm-hmm. I, I guess viewers weren't digging that there, you know, they were kind of, you know, the last one was in Vegas and the pre, no, last one was in this horrible, weird haunted house thing in the middle in, of in Missouri. Missouri. Yeah, in and Missouri. then, and then the previous one was in Vegas. That's the one I was the guest appraiser for. And then uh, the previous, the one before the first one was down in Florida and people didn't like the fact that they weren't driving the cars. So I, I might say for the one that you were in, you may have given that Maserati a little bit more value than a Really? <laughs> hey, that that was. I got to drive that thing. That thing was a bloody nightmare. Yes, I, I, I admire Freddie well, for, it's a for hanging in there. It, it was well. There's no air conditioning. And it's 118 degrees out. Yeah. Well, and the seat. It, the worst part about it was the seat was reclined all the time. Well, it's because <laughs> it was broken, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. The seat was broken. Like it's 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 kind of like Top Gear, where they kind of. Do, like there's there's some things that aren't real for entertainment purposes uh, but all that was real like that <laughs> yeah. how bad that car and what was wrong with that the window didn't go up the air conditioning wouldn't turn on the seat was laid back it did sound great though i mean absolutely sounded great. most maseratis do they oh, sound yeah, that's incredible one, that's one thing they have going for them but until they don't yeah well <laughs> <laughs> and that until thing- you hear that final <gasps> that's it. <laughs> Not a good. And sound. that thing did look like a spectacular crap wagon. Oh, it was. Well, one of the guys uh, from the shoot, I think, bought it. I was going to buy it. I said that on air, and I was going to drive it home. But I ended up taking their um, M6 home, the V10 M6, which oh. was a pretty delightful car. I actually enjoyed that. I kept that for a while. We sold that for a charity auction, Dream Car Exchange. Okay. All right, and uh, they, nice. that that went to that went to charity. But getting back to what I'm doing this weekend, so we're they're actually driving the cars about a thousand miles oh, no. across um, from Texas to Colorado. I think I can say that kind of high plains drifter style. Okay, and I will be returning in a guest capacity once again, which I'll let people figure that out by watching it. But the um, Car Trek Four should be out. They get those out pretty quick, so probably in the next couple months or a month. Oh, very cool. We look forward to seeing yeah. that. Now, yep. I happen to know what they're driving roughly in this, and I know what Tyler's car is because he's already put out a video on it. You can say it because they got him on Instagram. All righty. Well, <laughs> so what do, you, what, what do you know? What do you know? I, I know they're all, all driving Ferraris, and Tyler's got a, yeah. a light blue uh, four five six with a gated shifter on it. Yeah, he does. That came so that's the, the cam the Camry of Ferraris that came um. from. Uh, <laughs> Dubai or, or somewhere and it took forever to get here and all kinds of other garbage. I Such I can't wait to comment on that car. I really it's like it's one of the most shameful Ferraris ever created. It was beaten by the Saab Arrow nine thousand for Christ's sake. Like, if you're a Ferrari, you get beaten by a Saab. No, sorry, you're done. You need to say Camry of Ferraris on 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 the show though. Oh you please yes. Camry of Ferraris. Camry of Ferraris. <laughs> Camry. Yes. I, just, I should just get a shirt made and wear it on <laughs> That's the it. show. That's it. You need to have um, Camry in the Ferrari font. That would work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah, they got that. Ed's driving a 599. Oh. And um, Freddie's driving mm-hmm. a 308 GTB, I think. That's kind of a cool right. car. You didn't see too many GTBs. Yeah, I, I I don't know where he got it from. I mean, that's what I heard he's driving. I've seen a couple of pictures. I think that's it's definitely a three hundred eight. The back um, end isn't burnt. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not yet. <laughs> you know, his, his last car caught on fire, 
I think that's yeah. just going to be a thing for him. It's like yeah. he will just light every single car he ever gets on fire. I like <laughs> I like seeing gang. him set off a fire extinguisher inside that McLaren. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, he likes his powdery fire extinguishers. I got to introduce him to Halon. It's mean, <laughs> enough with the powder. All righty, we covered the new garage. You've been go karting with your kid. Are you turning him into yes. another little car fiend? My son has been watching Formula One since he was in the womb. And uh, before he knew who any football player was or anybody else, he, he knew who like Lewis Hamilton and, uh, you know, Sebastian Vettel was and the statistics of each and the politics of every team. He can tell you all of it. I like so him already. He showed interest in racing and doing some kart racing because he asked, how do you get into Formula One? And we're like, well, they usually start in carts. And he's all like, mm-hmm. OK, so. I bought a couple of used carts from this guy who, whose son did the same thing and got too old for him. He's all, he just sold me the entire kit, two carts, the, the carriages, all the spare parts, everything. Bang. Wow. Just slid them into my truck. We've been carting. And I got to recommend that to anybody. If you've got a son or daughter that's, that wants to, you know, is interested in racing, it is so much fun because you can do track days. Most of the time, you're not racing. You're doing track days and you do it together. Here's my kid. I've been driving and racing for decades, and here he is like pulling away from me. You know, you're Horse, laughing and crying at the same time. Horsepower to weight, baby. You know those little exactly, kids don't weigh exactly. anything. So like I keep putting like he, I always have an empty tank. He always has a full tank. I make sure that I try to even it out as much as I can. I'm like, Dad, what's this huge block of lead? I don't know. It's, it was always on there. You know. It's, but we've been having a great time, and he's going to start competing. And he's uh, 10 years old, so they have what's called cadet carts, mm-hmm. um, oh, which is kind of somewhere in between little tiny ones and adult ones. But he's been the two carts we got were adult ones, so he's been driving an adult cart for the past you know six months and having a great time. Mm. Um, what size are the engine? It's, it's such a they're they're the um, Briggs and Stratton uh, LO206. And I don't know what CCs they are. They're not huge. They only make nine or 10 horsepower. And I think if you trick them out, you can get like 14 out of them. But the LO206 races, the reason I picked that and not the two strokes is that the four stroke LO206 is a sealed case. So you can't tweak it and take it apart and go crazy with it. It's like the, the two stroke carts are really quick. But you have to rebuild the engines every couple races. Yeah. Um, if you if you're really rich, you can make everything out of titanium. <laughs> uh, the yellow two six is is, I mean, really, you just change the oil and tweak a couple of things, and those things run on and on and on and on and on. And the the, the base of the engine, like this, if you just buy the center of the engine, just the, the sealed block, it's only like three hundred bucks. Okay. No so. Basically, you buy a new engine every season. Well, that's have a fresh motor and put the ancillaries. On that's it. the cheapest racing ever. What's the whole cart weigh? About a hundred pounds, hundred twenty-five. Yeah, something like that. They're they're super light, like light enough for a grown man to kind of lift into like one end at a time into a truck. Mm-hmm. So you know, we put them both in the back of my pickup truck and and head down to the the track, and he has a great time. I mean, again, I would recommend it to any parent to do that. And you can buy used carts you know, for a thousand bucks. And then all you're looking at is like a helmet and some gloves because you can wear your street clothes in them. And if you get more wow. serious, you can invest more. That's the whole trick is like, is the kid actually interested? Yeah. So we told him, I, I, he borrowed my sister's dirt bike helmet and some garden gloves. And, you know, that's what he started driving in. I said, for every, you know, couple months you do this, we'll get you a real helmet. We'll get you a racing suit, but you got to stick with it. 
slowly and surely he's looking like a little race car driver now. That's awesome. He's a little very yeah. cool. All righty, now for the question that I I didn't let you, I didn't confer with you on. (laughs) We had you on last time, and my favorite question at the end of the interview is always to ask somebody, what's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car? And you had a couple of pretty good stories for us, because it sounds like you've done a lot of dumb crap in cars. (laughs) What's the second dumbest thing you've ever done, John? (laughs) I forget how I answered it last time. (laughs) Come up with more dumb stuff. Oh, that's a hard question. I probably did the same thing last time and hemmed and hawed because, it, you know, it depends on how how you classify being dumb is. It's like, is it taking risks? I mean, driving uh, either ending in $1,000 used cars across the country in 30 hours. And that qualifies uh, either yeah. ending an arrest, a hospital stay <laughs> or changing your views on religion. <laughs> shorts. Believe it or not. I've never been arrested. I've never had an accident in a via, in a car, at least, that required me to go to a hospital and knock on wood. On that, yeah. um, my wife's knocking on wood over there. Yes. So I've never been. I, I've, it's funny because I'm actually a bit risk adverse. Which really? you'd be surprised to hear with all the crazy stuff. Yeah, I I'd do. be shocked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very, very like I, I was always the kid who would you know never jump straight off the cliff. I'd be the one who, who would observe and try to figure out the engineering of it and the angles and the wind speed, and then I would jump. So I I do a lot of silly things, but I I really work hard at making sure they're safe and logical in the in the first place. So I've been very lucky, I think. Um, I've only been in one motorcycle accident. Um, I think the dumbest thing I never, I never did and got hurt was, and it had nothing to do with cars, if you don't mind. No. Um, it actually had to do with bicycles. Back got, in the got 80s. Got a few of those. <laughs> it's got back in the 80s, well. I was a semi-professional freestyler. You know, no the kidding. Bikes. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, believe it or not. Um, and even though I'm like 6'3", I, I break everything. And one of the things, one of the kind of sports that came out of that, of that, of the, that culture in Southern California and Northern California was GPV racing, gravity powered vehicles. And we would take oh, no. BMX frames, flip them upside down. So the geometry was upside down. You'd, you would, you'd basically uh, hose clamp a seat to the bottom bracket and lay down on it, put straight bars on it put pegs on the rear axle and kind of lay down as low as you could. And if you, if you had enough wherewithal, you'd make like a fairing around you. And you, all you had was a rear caliper brake. Dude, this no has got brakes. bad news written all over it. Oh, it is. It's so silly. Um, <laughs> we, we would go, we do in Northern California on windy roads and we put on like, um, I wore catcher's pads on like catcher's knee pads. And you drag your knee and slide through the corners and we would do 50, 60 miles an hour. Now this is a bicycle with no pedals. It's just purely gravity powered. So they had the championship for this down in uh, Palm Springs and all like everybody been bragging about their, how fast they'd go and where the, what their bikes were like. And no, but we never had a kind of grand meeting and vision, streetwear sponsored it it was a big to-do like 87 i think and um i drove down there with my with my gear and all my radical cool you know 80s stuff and um <laughs> i wasn't prepared for what the tramway was at palm springs it is one of those roads it starts from the valley floor and there's literally a valley floor straight up a mountain <laughs> and it's one of those roses says, and still to this day says, turn off your air conditioning may overheat. 
Remember those signs? Wow. wow. Like you don't see them much anymore. Hmm. You don't see them much anymore because cars don't overheat, but they still have those signs on. It's it is a steep, windy road up to the tramway base. And that was the start of the race. So we got up there and I had like I had my I had I had my my leather jacket and all this stuff and I put one of those groovy um like uh nylon speed suits over the whole thing motorcycle helmet motorcycle gloves and some of the guys there were super serious um the top speed of the day was 97 miles an hour screw that (laughs) they had a gpz motorcycle that was filming us who could keep up with the lead bikes that's how fast these things were going (laughs) oh lordy so i wasn't prepared for the speeds because i was used to windy roads so my bike, I got through the semi, I got through the quarterfinals and then the bike was really squirrely. So I, I figured, you know what I need is more weight. So I went and duct taped a bunch of rocks to underneath the bike <laughs> to give it some stability. <laughs> and Get duct taping done. the rocks. Yeah, it's, it, was good, it was a good idea at the time. And um, the semi, I got into the semifinals and the, the tramway had halfway up the mountain was a gateway with, you know, a, a pipe in the middle and two gates opening either side. So you could pick either side of that oh, wow. as we went down because they shut the roads down. Everybody had been going to the right. A few guys went to the left. And I figured, I'm going to go to the left because I, maybe I can break out of the line of bikes, out of the slipstream and find something on the left side of the road. What I didn't realize was that the left side had a little bit of a lip to it. Oh, I hit it at about 70 miles an hour. And again, these bikes only had a rear caliper brake, and that was only to stop at the end. You, you weren't, you couldn't brake them because the caliper brake can't grab the rim at that speed. And uh, the bike starts speed wobbling, and it starts getting worse and worse and worse. Death and worse wobble. And worse. So here was my idea. <laughs> oh, I was headed down into an S turn. It was down to the right and then up and to the left, and it had a guardrail because what was on the other side of the guardrail was about a 500 foot drop. I figured if I put my leg up in the air and I hit the guardrail with my leg, it would stop the speed wobble. I know. So, yes. So I got my leg up because I had, you know, the catcher's pads on, this right? Is so I figured it couldn't hurt that like badly. like that Arlo Guthrie song, a motorcycle song. <laughs> <laughs> so I got my leg up. I hit it and it worked for about three seconds. Mm. And then what I didn't figure out was that they had tumbleweeds growing out of the armco so i went through one blew my tires to pieces yeah and that's when all like i don't that's when i just started tumbling i was on the sports the front of the sports page of the orange county times of me tumbling with rocks flying like the rocks i had taped to it are flying everywhere (laughs) i'm on my head i cracked my helmet in two places oh my tore the gloves off of my hands god i still have like i it gets a little worse. Um, so the, the picture of it is great because there's a cameraman there like diving out of the way and everybody's <laughs> running as this thing explodes. And they took me, this is, this is where it gets worse. They took me to the top, back to the top of the mountain because the race is still going on. They put me in a chair. It's, so it's 95 degrees out and I've got leather suit on which i wouldn't let them cut off because it was my christmas present was this leather jacket right oh i'm sitting in a director's chair in 95 degree weather in shock from the accident bleeding and they walk away from me 
and I get heat stroke. <laughs> the whole world goes, <laughs> and I, like it just turns into a, a spot. I fall backwards out of the director's chair they had me in, no. smack my head on the ground, and crack my head open again. Oh, oh my, my god. god. Then they took the Vision Streetwear filming helicopter, picked me up, and flew me to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what you do when you're 17. Holy <laughs> gee, many Christmas. I'm glad I uncorked that one. Wow. We've been speaking with John Ficara, owner of Ficara Classics and Drive a Go-Go. You can find all of John's social media links as well as those for Ficara Classics and Drive a Go-Go on readthedriven.com. John, thanks for being back. It's been too long. and I'm always thrilled to come on your show. It's fun. Oh, and we're thrilled to have you back. But that's, oh, (laughs) I'm going to go throw away all the bicycles out of my garage now. (laughs) I'm glad you enjoyed my pain. I love having John Vaccaro on the show. He has all the great stories. Thanks for listening and spending time with Driven Radio. Uh, We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Driven Radio Show. And listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, hell, any place you find great podcasts, we are there. I am Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt yep. and Catfish Groves. Yo. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time here on Driven Radio. Driven Radio.